Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to engage in your word this morning. We, we pray, Lord, that it would be alive to us, that you would open it, up, open it up, that we would see it with fresh eyes. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just uh, come to our ears and leave, but Lord, it would stay with us. Lord, that it would stay in our soul, that we would remember these things, not just in a few hours from now, but years from now. Bring them to our memory. Let us have eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit wants to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So previously in 1 John, we talked about a few things. We talked about maturity, right? We talked about there's children, there's young people, and then there's fathers and there's mothers. We talked about what the propitiation is, right, Mike? I don't remember. That's okay. Yeah, we talked about the propitiation. How many remember what the propitiation is? He stood in the gap, right? He took on our, our burden. He took our judgment upon himself. This week, we are going to jump right into it. Now, here's the thing. Don't go to the first slide yet. Whenever I start a series, I think, boy, I could get through this. Uh, first John, I can get through that in five weeks, Tim. Nope. It never works out that way. It never works out that way. I always think, yeah, I can get through this and and I can, I can, you know, uh, we can then have, you know, a Thanksgiving message, and we'll do something else, have a Christmas message, and, and we want to be led by the Spirit in whatever we do. And so in digging into it more and more and more, I go, man, it's just not possible to preach all of these in two weeks. So you'll notice for the last few weeks, we've been on chapter two. Today, we're going to finish chapter two, and then next week, we're going to get into chapter three. But first... Let's get into chapter 2. 1 John 2, we're in verse 18. Children, it says this, is the last, it is the last hour. Say, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Say, the last hour. We're going to get into some very interesting things here this morning. John here is referring to the end days. He's referring to what we know as the end of time, right? There's a tremendous amount of study and teaching that goes into the end times. That's a fancy word. It's called eschatology. If you've ever studied eschatology, you're studying the end times. It's the study of the end times. And while we'll dig into some of it uh, today, we're not going to be, be, dig, be digging too deep into it because truly, it could. Bobby knows, Bobby, it could take up... Uh, we're, Eventually, we'll probably do a whole class, like the winter class or something, on Revelation and the end times and the things that go along with that. So someday we're going to dig deeply into it, but today we're just going to be touching on a few points in relation to our current study. So Christ made it clear, how many know Christ made it clear that one day he would return with power and glory? Amen? Amen. He, he died on a cross. He was... Uh, he, he was taken up to heaven, and he promised us that he would return in power and glory. It says this in Matthew 24, 29 through 30. It says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven of the heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, 
And then all the tribes of earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man, that is Jesus, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, in this study of the end times, we're going we're to hear a few words. We're going we're to hear a few things that might be a little confusing to some people. So, we're going to start with this. Immediately after the tribulation, there's different interpretations about when uh, we're going to hear a few terms. Okay, tribulation is a good term. Rapture is a good term to use in this, right, right, Rhonda? Amen. So we're going to use the term tribulation. We're going to use the term rapture. We're going to use the term antichrist. Now you may have heard some different things about these terms. Maybe they're familiar to you. Maybe they're not. So let me share a few things. First, the rapture is what takes place when, when Christ comes back, we believe that the church will be raptured. Amen? Amen. Now, there's some debate as to when that's going to happen. That brings us to the next term. The next term is tribulation. Tribulation is a period of what we would call, we would call it seven years. So there's seven years of tribulation that the Bible talks to us about. And there are some Christians that believe that will be taken before the tribulation, called pre-trib, right? So tribulation, trib. So they're called pre-trib. And then there's some that say, we'll probably suffer a little while, and then we'll get taken in the middle. So they're called mid-trib. And then there's some that say, we're going to go through all of the tribulation and then get taken when Jesus comes back. That's going to be post-trib. And then there's a lot of things in between <laughs> all around there. Right, Tim? There's a lot of different theories. There's a lot of different interpretations of what exactly is going to happen. Let's, let's just say this. Whatever happens... How about you be good with God and good with Jesus, and then whatever happens, you're good, right? So here's the thing. Uh, I might have my opinion, but if it happens in a different way, I'm not going to stick around to prove a point, right? I'm not going to be like, no, no, no. This didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen, right? So there's different interpretations. There's different, different ways we can take when it's going to happen. But the important thing is that it is going to happen. Jesus Christ was true and faithful in everything he said. And so he tells us that he's going to come back. He says it's going to be at this time. And uh, by the way, you should know the term rapture is not a biblical term. Uh, it's not found in the Bible. It's what we call a taking up of the saints, right? So those are the different words that are used in Scripture to describe that. And then we get into the one who is known as the Antichrist. So you know what the rapture is, is taking up of the saints, right? You know what the tribulation is, that period of seven years. And then there's the Antichrist. Now, how many have ever seen scary movies that have depicted the Antichrist? If you grew up like I did, uh, man, I, I used to watch it. Tim, Tim, you'll know what I'm saying. Austin, you might know this too. Uh, how many remember, we used to watch movies that highlighted the rapture and the Antichrist and all of these different things. It seemed that these were Christian films. One was called Image of the Beast. One was called Thief in the Night. That was the first one. And so at the end of Thief in the Night, the woman, she's, 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 uh, she didn't want to decide whether or not to take the mark of the beast, which we can get into that at a different time, but she, wanted to take, she, she had to decide, are you going to take the mark of the beast or are you going to accept Jesus? And she didn't want to do either one. So at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, the end of the movie, this is made in 1973, so uh, you've had time to watch it, just, just so you know. Uh, so at the end of the movie, she, uh, she's faced with like the patrol, uh, that the military patrol that wants her to take the mark and she ends up falling off a cliff and dying without having made a decision. And then she wakes up and realizes that it was a dream 
But then the day that she, when she wakes up and realizes it was a dream, that's the day the rapture happens. So then that leads into the next movie. And there ends up being four movies. And it's like cheesy Christian uh, 1970s. It was done, basically they were made to scare teenagers. All right, They're, they were made to, I found them entertaining. I found them kind of fun. But they were made to scare you. They were made to, hey, listen, he, hey, he, he come back right now, Mike. You better, better make sure you're okay. And that's the way it was. And here's the thing. We need to be ready. Right? He could, hey, listen, he's the Lord. It's his will. He would come back anytime. Amen? Amen. He'd come back anytime. Lord, take me now. I'm good. Actually, if you could wait until after the Michigan-Ohio State game, that would be fantastic. But, I, I, no, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> if we win, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no. Listen, I don't know how effective those kind of movies were and how effective those kind of tactic, tactics were. Uh, but, but, to me, I was just entertained. People would try to use scare tactics to try to bring people to salvation. That's not, that's manipulative, right? That's manipulation. We don't want to use manipulation. We want to point to Christ. We want to point to his love. We want to point to what he did and who he is in our lives. Not what may happen based on different theories of the end times and, and how to scare people. So uh, more recently, how many have how many ever read the Left Behind books? Left Behind books, very popular. Gives a fictional account of what possibly could happen. All right. So without getting too deep into this, I want to make a few things clear. The Antichrist is an actual person. Now we're going to talk about in chapter 4 of 1 John, he goes into what the spirit of Antichrist. We're going to talk about that too eventually. But the Antichrist, so John says there is, uh, go back to the first slide there. John says, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and now many Antichrists have come. So there's the Antichrist, and then Antichrists. I know that can be a little confusing, but there is, there, the Antichrist is an actual person. Based on scripture, we can see that he will rise up in power, and he will appear to be a man of peace. He will appear to be a man of peace. The Bible lets us know that he will broker a period of peace that will, uh, with Israel that will last for seven years. A period of peace with Israel, but his end goal will be to destroy Israel and all those who follow Christ. That's the goal of the Antichrist. He will claim to be Messiah. In fact, he is the embodiment of evil. When we talk about the Antichrist and who this person is or will be, Antichrist literally means against Christ. Okay, so now we know, now here's the thing. Throughout the years, there has been speculation of who is the Antichrist. How many know, you've maybe heard a, a speculation or a rumor of who the Antichrist is or that he's, he's you know, maybe has been president of the United States, something along those lines, Right? Come on. You know, there's people, that, yeah, there's people that have said that, right? So there's people that have claimed that Hitler was the Antichrist. And then let me say this. Uh, there is men who are exceedingly evil in this world. There is men who are exceedingly evil. I will say this. I mean, some people have said that, you know, Hitler was the Antichrist. Some people have said that uh, President Obama was the Antichrist. 
Yeah, <laughs> I've heard the same thing. Uh, I, I've heard all sorts of different speculation on who the Antichrist will be. I will say this. I, I, uh, I don't know who the Antichrist will be, right, Susie? I don't. Could I venture a guess? I don't know that the person is even born yet. I don't know that, that we're not living in the same era that the Antichrist will rise up. We just don't know. And so we, have, we, we look at the Word of God. We see that this will happen someday, but we don't know when, right? And the thing is this. It's unlikely, and I'll just say from my perspective, from the gospel according to Pastor David, right? It is unlikely that we have experienced, in my mind, unlikely that we've experienced uh, or have yet to see who the Antichrist is up until now. That would be my perspective. I don't know for sure. There's different biblical prophecies about who he may be and where he will come from and things of that sort. And so we have yet to see those things. But from my perspective, I look and go, okay, we haven't, it doesn't seem like we've quite seen him yet. Or if we have, he hasn't been recognized for sure. So it says this, uh, getting back to 1 John. He tells us, yes, the Antichrist is coming, and that also there will be Antichrists. And in seeing this, we can know that it is the last hour, say last hour. Now, it's important to understand, the book of 1 John was written around 2,000 years ago. And so if it was written around 2,000 years ago, and John says it's the last hour, well, what's the deal with that, right? What is the deal with that? Commentary, I like what this commentary says. It says, John lived in the constant expectancy of Jesus' return regarding his time as the last hour. This is an expectancy that we should also have. Knowing that the Lord's return can come at any time, and I like it goes on to say this, seeing the nature of our times, think about this very clear, think about this carefully. Seeing the nature of our times and what the Bible says about the end times, we should regard ourselves not as in being in the last hour, but being in the last minutes. Not as being in the last hour, but being in the last minutes. That we are getting close. The, the darkness is getting darker. The gross darkness is covering the people the Bible talks about. We need to be careful here to understand that John is not making a claim as to the day and the time of Christ's return. We know for, that, for anybody to do that would be foolish. Anybody that makes a claim that Christ is going to come back in this year or this day at this time, they're fools. Absolutely foolish. Can, can we agree on that? Amen? It's, it's foolish. In fact, Jesus tells us this in Matthew 24, 36. It's not in there. It says that no man knows the day or the hour. And in fact, he says only Father God knows. In fact, he says not even the angels know. At some point, God will say, go, and they go. We don't know when that is. Angels don't know what that is. In fact, there have been many famous cult leaders throughout the years who have tried to guess exactly when it's going to be. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, there's been even some uh, outlying Christian sects that have tried to guess about when the time will be. So it was going to be 1914. 1914 came. Oh, it must not be 1914. It's going to be 1917. Oh, 1917 came. Oh, it must be 1922. Okay, well, as 1922 came, oh, it must be 1946. 
And so all these different dates appear from people. I think one of the more famous ones recently was, how many remember Harold Camping? The name Harold Camping, everybody remember who that is? Tim, Tim you remember who that is? Uh, there's a, a, a guy named Harold Camping. There's also, how many remember all the, the speculation about Y2K? Right? That's, that's my grandma. Oh, I love her. She, she passed away now. Uh, so she, she knows it wasn't true. But, but, uh, but uh, man, Y2K was coming up. And she had this video series from some, some pastor that, you know, made her pay for it. So uh, the, <laughs> some video series of uh, why Jesus is coming back in Y2K. And all these people that were uh, stocking up water and food and gas. And, I mean, I had friends that had barrels and barrels of, of gasoline stored in their garage, toilet paper that covered walls, just in case, right? Now, truthfully, you know, they had all this stuff. They could use it, so God bless them. But we, we looked at it and went, man, there was so much panic over what could happen. I remember I was at a friend's house. It was December 31st, 1999. Yep. I might have told this story, Sue. I don't know. I was at a friend's house, and, and it was uh, 1150 five, getting close to midnight. Now, that's the thing. It was on the Eastern time zone at that time. So then you have to say, well, is Jesus going to come back in the Eastern time zone at midnight, or is he going to be in the, in the, right? So you go, Central time. Oh, it's 11 o'clock. Jesus, what's going on? You're here an hour early. No, no, it's Eastern time over there. So, so here's the thing. We, we, we don't think about those things, but People that try to say, I know the date and the time and specifics, they go, well, what time zone? What are you talking about? Oh, is it going to be this? Why? So it's the interesting thing. So 1155, people are kind of looking around nervous. Bobby, I mean, do you, uh, Bobby, how old are you? Oh, you don't remember. You were six. How many remember? Okay. Yeah, there's a few, right? Gary, you remember. Do you remember the panic that people were feeling? Remember the, 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 I mean, you were, you were feeling it too? No? Yeah, you were, you were aware. Huh? No, no, there, listen, there was, like, there was like a certain, not just a panic, but there was just a, a what if factor, right? There was, a, there, was a, there was probably a fearfulness factor from what if. All the computers are going to go away. We're going to be back in the Stone Ages. We're going to have to use candles instead of lights. And oh, my goodness, we're not going to watch TV. What's going on? What's that? That's California right now. So 11.55, we're looking around. We're th- I'm looking at people are kind of anxious. So I thought, how funny would it be to, a, to just to flip all the lights off? Like at midnight. I couldn't figure out a way to shut the TV off. <laughs> so so that, was a, that was an interesting so I, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I'm at the, at the time, uh, 1999, I was 19 years old. And so, uh, so I'm sitting there, and all these people are kind of watching. And it gets to be midnight, and I flip the lights off, and the TV was still on. So everybody's like, that's stupid. What are you doing? But no, it's funny, because people try to say, hey, here's when this is going to happen. How many know everyone who tries to take a guess ends up looking like a fool? There's, there's actually, it's interesting, as I was studying this out, there's actually really famous guys who have tried to predict the end of the world, including Isaac Newton. 
So it wasn't just cult leaders. It was some people that were like, well, based on the science of this and based on this, then we're probably going to have the end of the world at this time. There's a lot of fear-mongering right now actually going around the world about when the world is going to end based on climate change and based on all these things that are going to happen. How many know that God is in control? Amen? I believe it's important for us to take care of our planet. I believe it's important for us to be environmentally conscious. I believe it's important to, for us to take care of God's creation, right? Amen? Come on, that's not, that's not wacko stuff. That's, we we want to take care of what God has given us. We want to be good stewards of the earth, is what the Bible says, right? So we want to be good caretakers of the world around us so we don't just take our trash and, and dump it in the, in the river, right? We don't do those things. We want to be environmentally conscious, but we also want to be aware that God is in control. We want to be aware, no matter what the fear-mongering you hear on TV and the radio about the world's going to end in 12 years, wherever it's going to be, listen, we believe that God is in control that he has it under control, and that the Bible says that he decides when the wind and the waves happen, and he decides how far the waves come up on the shore. Amen? He is in control. Anybody who claims otherwise looks like a fool. So the interesting thing is this. While we can't know the exact time and the day that it will happen, we can know that Christ is true, that it will happen someday, that, that there will be a rapture, there will be a tribulation period, there will be an antichrist. We don't know when that's going to be, possibly in our lifetime. I'm not going to make any speculation of that because, honestly, I just I don't know. And that's okay. But there will be an antichrist, a main figure. Until then, we have plenty to deal with. Because there are not, it is not just the Antichrist that is coming. We have many Antichrists that have come. So there is the Antichrist and there's Antichrists. But even now, there are many Antichrists. 1 John 2 19 says this. If they, you want to describe who the Antichrists are, it says this they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they have been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Say, not of us. John here is referring to those who were a part of the church. This is interesting. John here is referring to those who were a part of the church. We're going to talk, like I said, in, in chapter 4 of 1 John, we'll talk about the spirit of Antichrist. But for now, we're talking about Antichrists. There's a, let me, let me just say this. There is a rampant spirit of Antichrist in the world today. A rampant spirit throughout this nation and the world. The spirit of Antichrist. What John's talking about here is not the spirit of Antichrist. He's talking about Antichrists. He's talking about people who were in the church, who were part of, who called themselves part of the church, but eventually left the church and then renounced Christ. He isn't talking about people that leave. Listen, this is, this is important. He's not talking about people who leave one church to go to another good Bible-believing church. All right? He's not talking about people who leave one church to go join another church or, or whatever that would be. That's fine. What he is talking about is people who claim to be a part of the body of Christ, and then they rejected Christ. Now, in case you weren't aware, weren't aware this is happening more and more. Or at least we're made aware of it more and more. Maybe because of technology, 
maybe because of the internet, maybe because of those things, that we're aware of those who have been a a part of the church for a long time and have suddenly decided to be done with the church and, in fact, reject Jesus. Years ago, there was a young man, uh, his name was Josh. He wrote a book about Christian dating that pushed him into the spotlight. He became what really would be described as a Christian superstar. Uh, He would speak at conferences, and eventually he came to pastor a church in Maryland, and he pastored the church for close to 20 years. For close to 20 years, he and his wife were well-known authors and speakers in the Christian community. Some of you guys know who I'm talking about. This last year, he announced that they were getting divorced. For 20 years, they've been doing ministry together. He wrote a book called Boy Meets Girl about how they met and courted and, and really a beautiful story. Really a beautiful, one of my favorite books to this day. Uh, just really fantastic about how God brought them together. So they announced that they were getting divorced. They said they, just, they, have, they have just shifted so far away from where they used to be. So they announced they're going to divorce, and people are heartbroken. People are upset. People are talking about it. And then a few days later, he announced this. He had undergone a massive shift in regard to his faith in Jesus. He went on to say, and these are his words, by all measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. For by all measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Just about a month later, a famous worship leader named Marty, he had written uh, multiple songs for some of the biggest names in Christian music. And unfortunately, it seemed like he had no doctrine, uh, no foundation of doctrine to lean on. He came out too and said, I am not a Christian anymore. I reject Jesus Christ. People who are influential in the Christian community. These are just two stories of of those who not only rejected the idea of organized religion, which I can understand to some aspect. They rejected Christ himself. They spit upon his face. They entirely turned their backs on Christ and his promises. They have become what John would call antichrists. Pastor David, that's a strong strong statement. No, that's a true statement. The Bible's very clear that this is what they claimed Christ at one point, but in reality, I will say this. They possibly never believed in him. I use the word possibly very carefully there. I don't know that they never believed in him. I don't know if they had some crisis of faith that happened or they never actually believed on him in the first place. But I do know that there's plenty of people who are raised up in the church and call themselves Christians even though they truly never accepted Christ as their Savior. Right? There's people who will grow up in the church, grow up Catholic, grow up Lutheran, and, and, and well, why are you Lutheran? Because my parents are Lutheran. Why are you Catholic? Because my parents are Catholic, and their parents before them, and their parents before them. Why are you a Christian? Because we, we cannot ride our parents' coattails into heaven. Amen? 
We have to make a decision for Christ ourselves. We have to take on that faith ourselves. And so what we have here a lot of times is people that grew up in the church. They, they, there's nice people in the church. There's nice people in this church. Right, Luis? Are you sure, Luis? There's, yeah, look at you. That's funny. They're so humble. Now, there's, there's so many nice people in this church. And so you, you come up, you come up uh, in a church, you're a young child, and you, you raise up in the church. Man, there's such nice people here. And without ever having made a decision for Christ yourself, you fall into the lifestyle of Christianity, right? And so because you fall into the lifestyle of it, and you've never truly accepted it, now you're practicing what we call religion. Because you never truly had relationship. Now, I don't know what the case is with Josh and Marty, the two that I talked about. I will say it's possible that they never truly believed in him. It's possible. My hope and my prayer, and honestly, as soon as I heard that this was happening, this is my hope and prayer, is earnestly that these men would realize the error of their position that they would come back to, to repent, they would come back in repentance. That's my prayer for them. My fear is that they will have abandoned all true hope. My fear is that they will have abandoned all true hope, and some have done it based on uh, the truth of the Bible in regards to culture. We're living in a time where it's going to be harder and harder much more difficult to maintain the gospel. We're living in a time where we are being told day in and day out that what we believe is wrong, that what we believe is unloving, untrue. It's bigotry. It's hateful. That's what we're being told day in and day out. I can't watch television with my kids without having to monitor commercials now because we want to give them true biblical guidelines for living. And the world, the media, everything wants to push them away from it. Just be tolerant. Just accept. Just, just, just say the Bible is wrong. And so that's what... Uh, my fear, my fear over these people who have left their faith is that they will have abandoned all true hope because of culture. I hope that's not true. John then tells us the difference, because there is a difference, and this should be understandable and, and, and clear. There's a difference between a true believer and an antichrist. Because the antichrists are those who claim to believe and then left. So how do we tell the difference between a true believer and the Antichrist? Verse 20 says this, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. Say all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. 
This faith that we have is not given to us by natural means, but by supernatural means. Amen? We have been anointed by the Holy One, and we possess what John says is all knowledge of truth. Say truth. John says that we have all knowledge. Now, it's interesting. The word knowledge here isn't referring to book knowledge. There's some people who are incredibly smart, incredibly book savvy. People have photographic memories. They can memorize and remember things that I could never hold on to or remember. So there's people that have a lot of knowledge. And just because, how many know that just because you have become a Christian doesn't mean you have all the book knowledge, right? That's true. I mean, there's some... (laughs) How many know just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a rocket scientist? Amen? Is that the best way to say it, Susie? Right? I'm not, I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't claim to be one. I don't play one on television. If you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you have all book knowledge. The wording here is interesting. John uses the word uh, knowledge here, but the, the meaning of the word that he uses is more closely related to intuition. Say intuition. That when we accept Christ, we have by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, an intuitive knowing of the truth of Christ. That we have, uh, our faith is undergirded, it's secured by knowing the truth of who Christ is. That's the knowledge that we're talking about. We don't just rely on blind faith this morning. Amen? We don't just rely on blind faith. We have a knowing through the Holy Spirit that what we speak is truth. We have a knowing through the Holy Spirit that an intuition that what we speak is truth. John says that the liar is he or she who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Those who deny the Father and the Son are antichrists. There's an interesting uh, side point about that. How many know people that say, man, I love Jesus. I love Jesus of the New Testament. I don't like God of the Old Testament. Right? There's people that say that. There's people that say, well, I'll, I'll only listen to the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus in red. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to anything else. And so I'm going to disregard anything that's not in red. That's, there's people that say that. They're called red-letter Christians. Because they, the, they only look at the red letters. The truth is this. If we truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if we truly believe in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right, then everything that is part of the Old Testament, come on, is from Father God, that Jesus Christ didn't come to abolish the law, but came to fulfill the law. And so you say, well, Jesus never talked about this subject. No, no, he didn't have to. His Father already talked about it. Amen? Well, Jesus didn't talk about this. No, no, he didn't have to. This is already, this is already uh, precedented. This is already in, in place. It would be as if, well, Jesus didn't come and tell us that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Carrie, Jesus never told us that 2 plus 2 equals 4. How am I supposed to believe that? Well, because 2 plus 2 equals 4 has already been established, right? It's already been established. We know mathematical principles are already established. Jesus didn't come to teach us arithmetic, right? Come on. Jesus didn't come to teach us a math class or algebra. Why? Because these things were already established. And so we look and go, man, if Father God said it, 
and we hold on to the truth of Christ, we believe in the Father and the Son, it's not as if we have to have everything explained to us in detail like we're children, like we're babies. And a lot of times as Christians, we just act like children and babies. We act as if, well, it was never explained to me this way. And there's truth in that sometimes things need to be explained. Right? But once we know and it's established, we can move forward. There's a few things we need to understand about those who deny the Father and the Son. There's many who, who claim faith in Christ or claim Jesus is Christ, but they don't, they don't follow him. They ignore his commandments. They claim Christ, but they ignore the Father. That's a problem. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if you have someone saying, well, you can get to God on another path besides Jesus, that's wrong. That's antichrist. We're going to talk about, man, I can't wait until we get to the spirit of antichrist because we're going to look at examples of the spirit of antichrist throughout our culture. Verse 23 says this, no one who denies the Son has the Father. You can't deny Jesus and have the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let it live in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides or lives in you, then you too will abide or live in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Say eternal life. True life, that is eternal life, is only found through Jesus Christ. We know the truth of that this morning. Amen? John emphasizes this and then clarifies why it needs to be said. I like this. Go to verse 26. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. There are those who are trying to deceive you this morning. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. I like this. And you, shall, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is very interesting because we say, well, he's, John just said right there, we don't, we don't need to be taught. John just said right there, we don't need to be taught. I like what this commentary says. It says this, John's message is simple. Because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit given to all believers, we possess the resources for knowing truth. Amen? We possess the resources for knowing truth. This is not to say that teachers are unnecessary, because one of the resources for knowing the truth is the reminder given by teachers like John. John is teaching us this. John here is not going against teaching or teachers because, in fact, he was one, right? John is a teacher. How many know that there's some of the best teachers out there? There's some fantastic teachers out there, right, Matt? Matt, you one of them? You're a counselor. You're one of the best counselors out there, right? <laughs> Heidi, you're a teacher, right? One of the best teachers out there. What grade do you teach, Heidi? Preschool. She messes them up before they get to high school. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's all right. Listen, here's the thing. How many know that the best teacher out there is not in some college classroom 
In fact, the best teacher out there isn't even in a pulpit this morning. The best teacher out there is the Holy Spirit. Amen? The best teacher out there is the Holy Spirit, the very best teacher we have. The issue then becomes this, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? When we are lined up and in sync with His Holy Presence, truth becomes evident to us and lies become clear. Truth becomes evident and lies become clear. In a few chapters, uh, John, okay, so we'll get into the spirit of Antichrist. But for now, let me say this. I want to say this. We live in a world that is specifically Antichrist. Bible calls uh, the enemy, Satan, the prince of this earth. That's Antichrist. Wants to control everything. It's Antichrist. It may look good, it may sound good, but it may it is ultimately trying to lead us away from Jesus. There's a there's been I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this. I don't know why I need to. I don't know that I need to, but I'm going to anyway. There's been a recent, and I mean just in the next, last week or two. How many know who Kanye West is? You say, yeah, I know who Kanye West is, right? You say, Pastor Dave, why are you talking about Kanye West? Kanye West just put out a new album called Jesus is King. He went on Jimmy Kimmel Live this last week, and he was talking about his faith in Jesus Christ. To a national audience of millions of people, talking about how he put his, he's putting his faith in Jesus Christ. That every song on his album is, is gospel. Uh, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. He talks about uh, not open on Sundays if you're Chick-fil-A, things like that. It's kind of fun, some, some kind of funny things. But it looks like, and my wife and I have had discussions about this, it, it looks like somebody who has had a radical transformation from someone who was deeply embedded in the world and deeply embedded in, in that media machine, it looks like he's had a radical transformation. And maybe a Saul to Paul moment that some people have described online. Other people that have also, you know, given them themselves to Christ. Some, someone had put up a thing about Justin Bieber. I can't, I, I don't know, I don't know the guy all that well. I don't know his music all that well. Uh, but saying that he too has accepted Christ. He's going to a church in New York with a pastor there. And, and Carl Lentz is actually the pastor of the church. And as much as I'm not a fan of Carl Lentz, uh, Justin Bieber seems like he's a baby Christian, but he's starting to have faith. And so we, we, one of the interesting things is this. How do we know whether it's genuine or not? How do we know these people who are now major influencers? These people are major influencers in the YouTube generation, right? If you're, if you're part of the older generation, don't worry about it. Honestly. If you're part of my, if you're part of my generation, I'm Gen, I'm Gen X. Uh, how many Gen X out there? Few. Yeah, Matt, we're a Gen X. How many? What, what's Gen? Uh, what's what's the one before Gen X? What's how many part of the greatest generation? Rhonda, Gary, right? 
I don't know exactly when it started. There's Generation X. There's different things like that. Then there's, then there's the millennials. How many part of millennials? Hallelujah. This is why we preach this morning. I'm just kidding. No. Hey, here's the thing. We don't know who's going to be this, this next great influencer for Christ in America and the world. I don't know if it's going to be Kanye West. I don't know if it's going to be Justin Bieber. He's Canadian, I think. Not that it has anything to do with anything. <laughs> but we look at these things and we go, well, hold on a second. Is this true Christianity or is this something that's leading us away from Jesus? And that's where we have to have discernment, right? And so I mention that because it's become a really big popular uh, topic lately. And I said to my wife, I said, I just don't know. I said, I think all we can do is wait. I think all we can do is wait and see and pray that if it is genuine, that God would use him in incredible ways. I, I mean, there's, there's so much in the backs. I was thinking about stupid things. I think about it at 1.30 in the morning about, about, man, he's, you know, married to this Kardashian and all the, all the drama and stuff that they got in their life and, and Bruce Jenner and all this other stuff that's going on. I think, how in the world is he going to maintain his Christian perspective or a Christian perspective, right? And all we can do is say, God, let's just wait. Let's wait and see. Not throw stones, not automatic. Nope, that's not true. Not automatically, oh, hey, don't get rid of that. It seems like he's making genuine changes. And all we can do is wait and see if it is genuine. There are things in this world that may look good and sound good, but ultimately they will try to lead us away from faith in Christ for now. With a few minutes, let us conclude chapter 2 with verses 28 and 29. It says this, I like this, And now, little children, and now, dear children, is what John says, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I've said it every sermon in the series, and I'll continue to say it. I love how John's message is rooted in love. He has that fatherly love, the father's heart that says, My dear children, abide in him. Abide in Christ. If there is any key to our life in Christ, it is this. Abide in him. If there's any key to our life in Christ, it's this. Live in him. Let everything you do be for the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen? Let everything we do. Don't separate. Here's what we do. We separate them. We separate them. On Sunday morning, I'll worship you, Lord. If you'll stand with me this morning. Let's sing. Let's stretch a little bit. You guys need, need some energy this morning, right? Let's not separate our faith between Sunday morning and the rest of the week. Amen? Let's not separate our worship of Jesus between Sunday morning and the rest of the week. Let's not separate our glory to God. Don't separate them. Into, listen, we separate them into Sunday mornings and times of crisis. Times of crisis. Oh, Lord, I need you now more than ever. Right? Sunday mornings. Lord, thank you. I'm here. I've done my duty for the week. I'm here. That's not Christianity. 
That's not faith in Christ. It's, it's us to give glory to him all the time. I like what John says. He says, live in him so that when he returns, when Christ does return, we will, not have, we will have confidence and we will not shrink in shame. How many want to have confidence when he returns? Amen. To abide in him means to live in righteousness. It means to live righteously. Bobby, to live righteously means to be in right relationship with God. We can only do that through the blood of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you that we have right relationship with you this morning, that we are covered by your blood. We are not perfect. We are forgiven. Lord, I thank you this morning that you will give us discernment to know what is what is Christ and what is Antichrist? Lord, let us not have a spirit of fear or anxiety over what the future may hold, but an anticipation of what your glory will bring. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Next week, we get into 1 John chapter 3. God bless you. Have a great week.